Learn how to craft a retirement plan email question that'll get you a model spitball analysis today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 387. Plus, when should you contribute to a Roth IRA and when and how much of a Roth conversion should you do? Is it hypocritical to prioritize investment returns over your conscience and values? Join Big Al Talk ESG investing or environmental, social, and governance investing, and they evaluate a strategy to keep taxes low while helping your kids buy a house. Finally, your comments about YMYW. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send in your questions and comments. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the flippant and distracting hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. John from Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, YMYW team, John here from Greenville. Uh, grew up as an Iowa farm boy. All right. Regular listener, great financial info, and always hilarious. Boom. Thank you, John from Greenville. Drive a 2006 Hyundai Santana. <laughs> Sonata. Thank you. <laughs> Pretty close. With 240 miles and drink Natty Light. Now oh, that's that Iowa, you know. <laughs> uh, retirement spitball question. I'm 59, making $100,000 a year. My wife is 61, making $50,000 a year. She'll retire in January 2023 at 62. Try to get her to work longer, but not happening. Kind of trying a little bit harder than John. <laughs> I'd like to retire at 64 or even 63 if all goes well in the market. Currently have approximately 800000 pre-tax, $175,000 Roth, $120,000 brokerage, and 20000 HSA. Current investments are about 70-30 allocation. Saving 10% pre-tax, 2.5% guaranteed employer match, annual variable match based on end-of-year profit. 7% of the 401k Roth, maxing out 7,000 Roth and 4,500 uh, in the HSA. At 64, fixed income will be $51,000 from my 25 Social Security, wife's 12K Social Security, and wife's $14,000 pension. Current income projection need is $84,000 annually. Spitball thoughts? All right. Now we got some information, John, <laughs> from Greenville. Thank you. We do. Sit back and have a natty light. So this is what you do. All right. So he's figuring out his spending need, which is $84,000. So for those of you that know your, your spending need, that's great. You take that number. If you want to retire in 10 years, take 84000 by a certain inflation rate and inflate the number um, depending on when you want to retire. So he's already done that, hopefully. So at 84, his fixed income is going to be 51000 now. Yep. So if I take 84, 51 minus, his shortfall is $33,000. Yep. So let's say he's going to, wife's going to retire at 62. He's going to retire at 65. He's drinking Natty Light. So that means he's going to live until at least 95, right? Because <laughs> that's a light beer. It's a light beer. It's yep. very refreshing. So yep. maybe he takes 3% out, Yeah. right? 65 plus tax plus an ongoing cost of living. Yeah, there's plenty. Plus, she's got a $14,000 pension and Social Security's uh, in the wings, right? No, I've already calculated that. Oh. So he needs $1.1 million at age 64 when he retires. Yep. He's already there. Already got it. Yep. So, he's right. already got it. You're right. So so again, you, you take your 84000 you subtract out your Social Security plus your pension, 
right? Got it. Yep. And so that created a shortfall. You need to figure out what your shortfall, because you have $51,000 from your um, social security, your wife's social security and the wife's pension. So 84 minus 51 is 33. Then you can take 33,000 divided into whatever percent, 3%. To be safe at, at this age. That's 1.1 million. So then you look at, okay, that's your bogey. What do I need to do to get to 1.1 million? Well, you're right there. You know, you're saving a ton um, and you already have the bogey right now. So yeah, there's the spitball for you. I think yeah. you're, you're, you're on track. Now the next step. So that's the first step. Now the next step is that, okay, well, how's the income going to be taxed? So then that's when you start creating your tax strategy. So if it's all in a 401k plan pre-tax, then you're, you're saying, all right, well, maybe I start looking at getting more money into a Roth account. What tax bracket am I in? What tax bracket am I going to be in the future? You know, if you want to live off of $84,000, you know, you're probably in the 12% tax bracket, but you do have a lot of money sitting in retirement accounts and your distribution rate is not going to be all that much. So then you're looking at forecasting your 401k at 72 is going to kick out more money than you're probably spending. So does it make sense to start converting or maybe not so much into pre-tax, but more into post-tax? And then the next step from there is to figure out, all right, how should it be invested? What target rate of return are you trying to shoot for? And then what is your withdrawal strategy? What assets are you going to start spending down, you know, to create that $33,000 of income, right? So from a spitball perspective, you're good from a dollar only. Now you got to create your strategy. What's your tax strategy? What's your investment strategy? What's your withdrawal strategy? God forbid if you fall over, you know, drinking your natty light, what does the wife do or vice versa? Because now her pension's gone. Social security's gone. So then you, you start playing the contingency plan, right? You got grown kids. What's your estate plan? What is your estate strategy? So I, I think we get these questions, Al. It's like, well, should I do a Roth conversion? I don't know. I mean, there's so many other things that you should be taking a look at. Yeah, well, I think you said it perfectly. So just to reiterate, so you look at your spending need, what you want to spend, and then you look at your fixed income. In this case, then you subtract the spend from the fixed income. You get a shortfall. You divide that shortfall into what you have. and It came out to about 3%. You can go the other way. You can take your shortfall and divide it into 3% to see how much you need since you're not retiring right away. So that looks great. Um, most of your income is in a traditional 401k. Uh, so therefore it's gonna be, it's gonna be pre-tax, it's gonna be taxed at ordinary income rates. So yes, you wanna be thinking about doing Roth conversions, but if you do this right, uh, you may not have to convert tons. You might be able to stay in that 12% bracket the whole time, which will probably become the 15% bracket. But this is where some cash flow planning is in order to, to figure out how much you really ought to convert. But you're absolutely right, Joe. It's not just, can I retire? Yeah, you, it looks like you can retire. But how can you make this even better? Because if you have more spendable money, it's not what you make, it's what you keep, then you can have a better retirement. Sure. Yeah. And then I, we're getting a ton of questions from all of you over the last couple of weeks is like, should I postpone retirement? The market's down. Maybe I work another couple of years. Well, can I still retire when the market's down 20% or man, the, the stock market's down, my bonds are down. And should I continue to, to, to work? It's like, it's not the point We're we're going to be in environments where things like this happen all the time. It's what strategy do you have in place or what strategy are you going to be putting in place over the next several years? So you could be financially independent. 
Right. So in other words, what, what strat the strategy that you put in place would anticipate markets going up and markets going down so that right now when markets are down, you're not, you're not caught in the cold. Yeah. And you're not freaked out or you're, I mean, you're, you're freaked out, but, but you, you've got a plan to, to write it out. All right. Very good. Great question. Thank you for uh, the email. You know, if Joe and Big Al once a week just isn't enough for you, why not get a daily fix? Watch the fellas answer your podcast questions every single day and check out YMYWTV on our YouTube channel. This week, what's on your retirement vision board? If you haven't yet decided what the retired version of your life looks like, watch the latest episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Joe and Big Al will help you visualize your needs, wants, and goals, determine how much risk you can stomach, prioritize tax efficiency, and put your vision into action. Search YouTube for Your Money, Your Wealth, or click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes. You can get to our YouTube channel from there. And hey, on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and ring that notification bell. Uh, Long, Houston, Texas, right in. Love the show. Uh, wife and I, both 58. We have been listening to the podcast for a while now. Uh, enjoy it thoroughly. I drive a 2006 Lexus. Uh, hand me up. Family purchase from my little brother. Got it three years ago for about half the price. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, sorry, I don't drink, but if I do, I'd go with Coors Light. And we would find a corner to curl up in a fetal position in Z when we fall asleep. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Coors Light doesn't make you fall asleep, but not not generally. Not it fired. would take take quite a few. No, just get you fired up. Uh, spitballing. All right, I do believe that we are on course to retire in 2030 at 65. What do you both think? Here are the numbers. Uh, annual contributions to 403B Roth, 27000 until 65. Currently, we are barely in the 24% tax bracket. Both IRAs, 401Ks, equal $1.5 million. Uh, the goal is to be converting to Roth at the top of the 24% tax bracket until the year 2030. Uh, so what? that's the next eight years of about $110,000 paying tax on cash that will be saved every year. Uh, current Roth IRA is $125,000, HSA is $30,000, mortgage will be done in four years. Last son graduating from college next year, woohoo! <laughs> um, outside of that, all three sons' college were paid by the 529 plan we've saved since they were born. Uh, major debts left, three weddings, hopefully before I retire in eight years. At retirement, 65, uh, so they've done some projections here. Um, estimated expenses is going to be $130,000 per year. Uh, IRA 401k 403b balance will be $1.8 million at an average return of 4%. Roth includes the converted amount will be $1.5 million, average 4% return. HSA $40,000. Uh, his Social Security, there's a windfall elimination provision in there. At FRA, it's going to be $2,500 a month. Hers is going to be about three thousand a month. His pension is fifty-eight. Her pension is eight hundred. Um, we will have two hundred thousand of liquid assets for two years of emergency funds. In the process of building this before age sixty-five. Okay, um, so let me do a little <laughs> bit of math here. 
So, so we get $5,800 a month times 12. Yep. So that is going to be, call it $70,000. Plus, plus another 10,000 for her. Um, okay. Pension. 10,000. So that's 80K. And we got about, yeah, call it 35,000 for social security for her. Mm, okay. Maybe 40. Alrighty. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Is, yeah. She may be taking it 70. I'm not really sure. Uh, we'll be no we'll be taking his social security fra's 2550 2550 okay. 12 times so that's 30,000 okay. so now they're at 110,000 and then whatever hers is is going to be another 25,000 so i mean the fixed income it looks to me it's going to cover 100% or very close to right there's going to be some probably some step or some bridges here yeah, depending um, upon when they actually take Social Security. But yeah, that's right. I mean, that's what the first thing we look at is what's the spending need versus the fixed income. And usually there's a shortfall. In this case, there might be a shortfall for a little while, but maybe not necessarily forever. Because they're retiring at 65. So maybe right. they take Social Security at 67. They maybe push it out to age 70. Right. The pensions are going to kick in at 60 for her and 65. So there's going to be some fixed income when they retire. So there'll sure. be a step gap of a short distribution and then probably cover it all. So as I finish the email here, it says, so from my vantage point, we will need about 1.9% withdrawals from the savings first two years until my social security kicks in, in which our SWR, <laughs> SWR, um, sustainable sustain withdrawal rate. rate. That's a good guess. <laughs> Never seen those initials together. Man, this, we're getting, we're getting deep. <laughs> will go down a little more than 0.6% at 70. When her social security kicks in, we'll have the needed fixed income um, and we will need to withdraw only um, to accommodate inflation and emergency. I would love to retire early, but my pension won't be fully realized until 65. And thus I need to continue with these silver handcuffs. Okay. In the words of my old oil in gas days, are we digging up the right rocks? All right. That's kind of okay. cool. Yep. Also, if we could continue to save after-tax money, I do believe that it will be to our benefit uh, to continue to convert to Roth from 65 to 71, right? Uh, no matter which way I project a future tax, it comes out to be about 22 to 24% if the current brackets hold true. Thus, it behooves us to continue to convert to Roth IRAs as much as we can afford to pay the tax with after-tax dollars. Thank you for your spitball. Um, keep up the great show. By the way, Joe, three weeks ago, my dad sent his hearing aids in for repair. He's not heard anything since. There you go. Ba -dum -ba -dum -ba. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that drumbeat? Yeah, he's a former recovering scoutmaster. He's got a lot more where those came from. Okay. Dad jokes, we gotta love them. All right, well, that's um, okay. There's a lot to chew on here. Can I retire early? Is the, I guess is the main question, right? Yeah, the answer is yes. Yes, of course. Um, but but I don't know what the changes is going to be on the pension. But you, you're based upon what you just told us. At 65, you can retire with a lot more money than you ever need. So can you retire early? Yes, but we, you know we'd have to see. Like, like, in other words, if your pension is only 5% lower for retiring a couple years earlier, go for it. You got plenty. That's what you save for. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, so if he retires at 60, let's say, instead of 65, just get the calculation from your company to yeah. see what that pension is going to look like. Uh, it's not going to be your 70,000. It might be 60,000. Yeah. And if, if it still works and you want to retire, go for it. If you want to keep working, by all means, do it. So, so here's the math again, folks, just so you can do this at home is that, all right, long, first thing you're doing is right on, right? What are you spending? You're spending $100,000 a year, 4% inflation, whatever. So at age 65, it's 130. Maybe at age 60, it's 115, right? And then you look at, well, what are your fixed income sources? Maybe you still don't take your pension until 65 and you retire at 60. You're going to have a step period right? Where you're going to have a higher distribution rate from the overall portfolio from 60 to 65 until the pension kicks in. Right. I think you could still do this. I You've done too. a really good job of saving and then you have plenty of fixed income. It's just running the math. Right. And what some people do is maybe at 60, 61, whatever, they work part-time, they bridge the gap that way. But I think there's enough assets here, Joe, they don't really even have to do that. But uh, anyway, that is right. You just have to run the numbers. I'm a big believer in retiring when you want to, if you can afford it, because we don't necessarily live forever. Right. And I think that they've done a really good job. They're planning appropriately. Doesn't um, seem like there's a ton of debt. I don't know, the weddings, those aren't going to, you know, break the, no, the, the bank. Tra and... Traditionally, the weddings are paid for by the wife's parents and he's yeah. got three sons. Yeah. That worked out well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Say, yeah. Right. Same with me too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think he's on track. You're on track. Um, but it, they're not golden handcuffs. Retire when you want to, but just to run the numbers. So in, it, it's close. I mean, if we're just kind of back of the envelope here, sure. again, you, you're looking at what your spending need is. You don't want to take out any more than probably 3% of the portfolio. You got a couple million bucks. You're saving a ton of money. So continue to save for the next couple of years. Use your same projections and see what that looks like at age 60, then 62, then 64, whatever. Here's another quick idea, which is a lot of people, they just don't want to leave dollars on the table. So I want to work till 65 because I want to get every dollar. And I get that. Is there a way in your current job to maybe work four days a week instead of five? Or in other words, work a little bit less, but still keep your benefits coming. So then you know, at 65, you get your full benefit. In the meantime, you kind of practice retiring a little bit and see how you like it. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Let's see. Got someone that doesn't want to say their name, Al. Anonymous. Yeah. Thank yep. you for that. <laughs> uh, I love your show. I drive a Ford F-150, drink Bud Light and Fireball and have two cats. That sounds like you, except <laughs> for the cats. For the cats. <laughs> um, I recently retired at 53 with two adult college graduate offspring and my wife is still working here's my situation questions for current year we're looking at around eighty-five thousand dollars of income between the two of us fifty two hundred dollars of dividends from real estate investments and five thousand dollars from dividends from our brokerage accounts my wife contributes nine hundred dollars per month to our 403b and will max out the ira of seven thousand dollars this gets us to about ninety two thousand of income in 17,800 of retirement tax write-offs or 77,450 of taxable income using the standard deduction of 25,900 this leaves us 32,000 below the line for the 12% tax bracket all right something 
Okay. Seems a little funny. Well, here. I think he's 70... using the, some different terms. Yeah, yeah, he is. So okay. 92 minus 17, 8 is 77, 450. It's that's actually 95. Just the gross income. Then you take the yeah, standard right. deduction of 25,900 to get to 50,000. What, what's this 32,000 below well, the line? Because the top of the 12 is roughly 83,000 for married. So 50 to 83 is about 32,000. I think that's where that comes from. Uh, okay. Is that what he's doing? I think so. My wife has roughly $40,000 in a regular IRA account and close to $90,000 in a regular 403B. This will be the first year since we began investing that we qualify for a Roth IRA. I'd like to start converting her retirement accounts to Roths to avoid future taxes. We plan to live on cash this year and next. All of her income goes into retirement accounts and health insurance. Also, should I do the contributions now or wait until the end of the year to do the contribution and conversion so that the IRA contribution is tax deductible or doesn't matter? Sorry if that's a dumb question. Does it make sense to convert all of her IRA this year and then her 403B early in 2023, assuming the markets don't come roaring back in the meantime? With a progressive tax rate, I'm assuming that not all of her conversion this year would be bumped up into the 22% tax bracket, but I'm not sure. We've decided that my wife's IRA 403B and brokerage accounts will be our legacy accounts, along with the 529 plans for the grandchildren. So we'd like them to be as tax efficient as possible. She plans on working until 60 because she enjoys her job and will continue to contribute her income to retirement accounts and health insurance. Once she retires, our health insurance will be covered and she'll receive a small pension. We plan on living on the remainder of our liquid assets, pulling from my IRA. We'll likely start the SEPP withdrawals in 2024. Cash accounts and brokerage account, which adds up to approximately $2 million. And my 16000 inflated inflation-adjusted pension. Our home is paid off, uh, which will be our long-term care insurance. Again, love the show and appreciate any information provided. Sorry if I didn't include enough details. And we'll follow up with more, if necessary. <laughs> Got quite a few details. Yeah, but somewhere left out. <laughs> That's true too. Well, so let's maybe summarize. So um, by Anonymous's calculation, um, they have about, let's just say 30,000 of room in the 12% bracket. And uh, the, the, um, his wife's IRA has 40,000 in it. So first question, should I convert the whole amount? Well, if you do, which is probably still a fine answer, but if you do, roughly 30,000 will be taxed at 12% and 10,000 will be taxed at 22%. Um, we don't, but I don't think he can convert it because she's still an active participant in the plan. Okay, let's see. Because she's putting $900 a month does into it, the plan. Does it if say she's 50 something years old? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So he's but, looking well, at, well, you know, I like how he starts with her stuff. Yeah, right. Hey, we're going to convert all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, oh, by the way, I have $2 million. Well, she, she's got 40000 in her regular IRA. So convert she, that. She, she can convert that. And so, yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, even though some of it's taxed, maybe at the 22% bracket, that's still a low bracket. The, the counts are down. Now's the best time to convert. So that's kind of a no-brainer. The 403B, did it say what her age is? 
He's 50. Well, they're both 50. Oh, he's, she's going to work longer till she's 60. So she's not 59 and a half. So that, that may not be available to convert. I agree with that. I don't know. Does she work in a school district? Does she work in a hospital? <laughs> Depends on the plan, right? Yeah. You know, 403Bs are a little bit different than 401Ks, and we're not yeah. going to get the nuances there. So right, you just right. want to kind of look at the plan doc. Maybe you can do an inner plan conversion. If there's a Roth 403B option, she could potentially take the um, the 403B and move it into the Roth or just take your own money yeah, and convert so, it. So he's got an IRA. Anonymous has his own IRA. Right. So he's got not- a couple million dollars in it. Why not? Well, I don't know. It's it. That's a combination of brokerage, cash, and IRA. But anyway, it's probably a good number. That's what you ought to convert. Right. I mean, go ahead and do your wife's forty thousand. That's that makes sense. Should you do more? Probably. I mean, we we don't really know what your tax bracket is now versus the future and what you need to live off of and a lot of stuff to help us figure this out. And then if if your wife is going to continue to work. And then you're just going to jam all of our money into retirement accounts. But in the meantime, you're going to do a separate equal periodic payment with your retirement accounts. Doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense at all. You'd live off your brokerage account and do more conversions. And and let your wife, and then live off of your wife's income. Yeah. Let yours continue to defer or or convert. Right. Right. Because once you start an SEPP, what that means for people that are listening that don't understand that is that he's retiring prior to 59 and a half. And so he needs access to the retirement dollars. He doesn't want to take pay the 10% penalty, which is totally understandable. Sure. So the IRS came up with a 72 T tax election, which allows an individual under the age of 59 and a half to get access to the retirement funds without paying the 10% penalty. However, you have to take a separate equal periodic payment, which you can't turn off until five years or until you turn 59 and a half, which sucks. Yeah. It just, and it'll probably be a lower amount than you want anyway. Exactly. Or if you want it and then you're like, okay, well, how do I, there's three ways that you can calculate it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's not like you can just go in and say, okay, I need 50,000 this year. Yeah. That's not how it works. Right. These are equal periodic payments. And so sometimes what we've seen is people split their IRA. So this is the IRA that I'm going to take, X amount of dollars and put it in this IRA and do the SCPP on that versus the whole amount. Because if he's retiring at 53 or needs the money at 53 or 54, that's six years that he's going to have to take the same periodic payment. And if it's on the full IRA balance and the market is down like it is now, or it gets volatile, I mean, it's hard to get caught back up. So I don't really care for his strategy all that much. Yeah, I think he needs to kind of fine tune it just a uh, just a smidge. And um, one other quick thing: do the contribution now. Yes, don't wait. Yep. Do you have a thoroughly mapped out plan for your retirement? Are your investments aligned with your risk tolerance and your retirement needs and goals? Do you know how to maximize your Social Security benefits and reduce your taxes? Get a comprehensive analysis of your entire financial picture from an experienced professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. Pure is a fee-only fiduciary. They will never earn any commissions off of you because they don't sell investment products, and the law requires them to act in the client's best interest. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Schedule an appointment either via Zoom or at one of Pure's six offices in Southern California, Seattle, or Chicago, and make sure you're on track for your retirement. We got Hello Joe, Big Al and Andy. Hope all of you are doing well and enjoying the summer. This is uh, our friend Priya. Yeah. I haven't heard from Priya in a while. I remember. Yep. I have a conundrum. Conundrum. Yep. And would like to hear your thoughts on the following. There are so many experts, including your show, 
suggest to just suggest to just that for an average investor like me to pick a few funds, maybe an index fund or some low cost ETFs to invest for the long term. I follow this process and I do on the S&P 500 index fund and a few other Vanguard broad market ETFs. By this, the individual investor has no control over what stocks will be owned in the fund. Does this mean for the sake of investment returns, do we have to ignore our conscious and values? Get deep here. <laughs> yeah, right. If I'm an investor who supports green energy, anti-gun laws, and humane animal treatment in, in my day-to-day -day life and maybe contributing to those causes, uh, but at the same time, invest in a broad fund like BTSAX, which holds gun companies, big factory farms, fossil fuel companies, etc. then am I a hypocrite or am I overthinking this? We'd like to hear both of your answers. I feel like I'm on the stamp. <laughs> Um, what say you, Mr. Anderson? Yeah, I'm not, we're not getting political. A lot of really crazy, stupid stuff going on in the world. Um, but Priya still enjoys listening to our podcast every week while walking her dog, watching our TV shows on YouTube, drinking watermelon frescas. Ooh. Agua frescas. Got it. As a throwback to your old shows, can you bring back Big Al's list segment? <laughs> Thanks. I've been meaning to do that. No, it's never happened. <laughs> For some reason, it's that that's, that show keeps popping up with you saying, like, here's the best states. to." Oh, I know. That was years ago. And, most, and then that one guy was like, guy this is the worst show in the world. Did no preparation. You got a <laughs> Kiplinger article. You just read them off. I go, oh, yeah, I did. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly what that show was. Um, so, yeah. All right, Priya. What, you could go ESG. Yeah. Right? If you don't want to go in the broad based market index funds, then I would go with something that kind of suits your, your, your values a little bit more. If, if you don't want to invest in some of the companies that are in the S and P or a, a broad base index fund. Yeah. So ESG environmental, social, and governance. So there's all kinds of funds that really try to figure out how to, how to, to take care of people like you. Now, since you're at Vanguard, <laughs> I happen to call up something just for fun. And I'm not recommending this. This is just, I'm reading something that I found. Let me be very clear. Vanguard FTSE Social Index Fund. So let's see. So they, they have environmental screens that look at water use and pollution. They have social screens that cover labor standards, health and safety records, community impact. They look at governance uh, from corporate risk to anti-corruption standards. Any firms involved in coal, tobacco, weapons systems, components for controversial weapons like landmines, <laughs> chemical weapons are automatically excluded. There's all kinds of funds like this. So, so pick one of those. And then if you really wanna get deep, there's funds that just do green energy or whatever is important to you. So, so just dig a little bit deeper. Uh, you can still have a good, great diversified portfolio, low cost, Vanguard is the one I picked because you were at Vanguard, but you can go to Schwab, you can go to Fidelity, you can go virtually anywhere and find similar funds. Sure. And I think uh, the technology is only getting better for, for firms um, that can do like direct indexing, for instance, that you can create your, your own screens. That's versus, true too. You know, I, 
everyone has it, it is so hard with ESG sometimes. It's very hard because everyone has a little different, different idea. opinion or different yeah. idea, right? So then you get the big company saying, here, this is our belief system. Right. And then you're like, okay, I like 80% of this, but I hate the other 20%. So then you're, you're kind right. of stuck in the same sure. you know, situation. Yeah. So that's why you can, you can go granular and, and, and invest in real specific funds, but then you're not as well diversified. So that's the downside. of Right. That. So then if, you know, those companies go under, um, but, but what we found too, is that when people have like a, a value based system approach, to their investing, they stick with their investments longer. Yeah. Good point. Um, which could be good or bad. Could be. Right. Yeah. If you have lack of diversification and you stick with your, your your investment strategy, right. And a lot of those companies don't necessarily do well and they could go out of business. Well, then that's not very good. Right. right. But if you're in a broad based diversified portfolio with hundreds of different companies and you're still, you know, you know, very secure within that organization, you're gonna when the market drops 20%, you're not gonna sell. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So so the way I would think about it is is look for a good ESG fund or funds. So you have you have a few different ones potentially. And if there's certain causes that are near and dear to your heart, have some of your investments maybe you know laser focused on that thing. Let's call it green energy, for example. But don't have your own whole portfolio because then that you're not diversified like we talked about very good yeah speaking of that that one star review we've got another great one star review this week appreciate <laughs> uh um you, you give us the, the the good stuff here um this one was called distracting we're very distracting now okay all right i followed and unfollowed this show twice Try it. Gave up. Try it. Gave up. <laughs> He's like, I just can't get enough. It, it must. It, it's better there's, than I thought. There's Come something. On. There's something there. <laughs> there's got to be something there. Let me try it one more time. Nope. This show sucks. <laughs> I'm done. It's awful. Right. Oh God. I I tried to like the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. But the flippant language of the host was so distracting. To the subject being discussed. Hmm. So just just to be clear, I'm not sure what I I looked up the word flippant. Yeah, so I, to, I would to, need to Google to, that too. Yeah, to make sure I knew exactly. So lacking proper respect or seriousness. Yeah. Well, that's our show. That, that's a, a <laughs> thousand percent. That, there's so little. how could you even try to like it <laughs> when the whole premise of the show is just to try to have fun? So you know, well, I'll tell you. Um, Almost every other show is like what you just described. So there's thousands of them, and they're pretty dry. Oh, they're boring as hell. <laughs> it's like, and, and, and the information is so self-serving to the that's true the, too the, the organization. But you know, maybe they're more serious than we are. Oh, if you want to fall asleep, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, we, but we got another. We, we got a good one. Fun and very educational. Um, this is by MC Music Lover. Okay. Or BC music. BC. BC music lover. Okay. This podcast is fun to listen to and because it doesn't get into the weeds. It's not only fun, but easy way to get educated on a full and wide view of personal financial topics and approaches. While it's not advice, sound approaches, opinions, and things to consider are provided in a fun and easily understandable way, making this a must, in my opinion. Yeah, we have flippant language too. <laughs> I guess BC music lover is okay with it. Yeah. 
Yeah. People that listen to this and then you hear some of the questions, it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> you kind of got to be like, all right. Yeah. Have I mean, fun with this. Of course. Um, hello, gentlemen. I've written in a couple of times. This is John from Franklin, Tennessee. Um, hello, gentlemen. I've written in a couple of times with questions over the past couple of years, and you are always so helpful that I'm back again. Thank you for all the education you provide to all of us here in podcast land. I never miss a show, and I look forward to it on Tuesdays. On your last podcast, you answered a question regarding assisting a child with the first home purchase. I'm starting to think about the same thing. You wanted to ask a slightly broader question on the topic. My wife and I are 48 and are situated well for retirement with roughly 1.5 million in tax deferred, three and a half million in brokerage accounts, and a paid for home roughly two and a half million. We are in a position to help our kids with initial home purchase, and I would love to figure out the smartest way to do that. As you might expect, I'm fully invested. Not a lot of idle cash sitting around, but obviously I would could access the brokerage account with no problem, other than the cap gains tax that would come along with that. My question is, if you were in my shoes, what options would you consider for freeing up money for a starter home purchase? One item to consider is my paid home has a big indebted cap gain tax awaiting for me. We have about a million dollars in the home, so capital gain will be about one5 or about a million dollars of taxable capital gain after the $500,000 exclusion. If not for that, I think we had probably downsized and free up a million dollars at least in the next five to seven years. Uh, We'll likely retire at age 55, but now I'm wondering if we should maybe consider staying put much longer than expected, maybe forever. So you're forever home, (laughs) Franklin, Tennessee. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. How do you plan for forever? Are we being flippant again? Al, stop with your flippant attitude. Yeah, I'm flippant serious. I'm not. I'm just listening. Maybe forever. <laughs> it's it's like when you get a you go buy buy a pair of, of like jeans or something and it has a lifetime guarantee. And then you realize lifetime means like a couple year? of years. No. Yep. Um, so he wants to wait till death because of the step up in basis. If that's even a possibility for us, should we consider something like a home equity loan to pull out a bunch of that equity to pay for a home for my son? Let's say four or 500,000 just for illustration. Is that crazy? It sure feels off script to me. The guy who has been totally debt free for over 20 years at this point, I'm leaning toward purchasing the home in full structuring as a loan to my son and then using the annual gift exclusion in order to pay the loan back. I think that allows me a gift of 64,000 to my son and his wife would prefer to do it that way versus using up some of my lifetime exemptions. Since I have no idea how much money this money will grow between now and I meet my demise, but John, you're living forever. (laughs) The idea of paying estate taxes just makes me nauseous. Uh, Thanks for your time. I look forward to your thoughts. And if you don't mind, I'd appreciate if you guys can quickly bring the bear market to an end. Work on that for me on your spare time. No problem, John. We'll get this bear market right back in its cave. Um, I don't know. What do you think? So home equity. He wants to pull out four or five hundred and buy the house outright for his son. He wants to structure a note. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't like either of those ideas. So if you're used to being debt free, stick with debt free. And plus, you don't need to buy a home for a kid and then just slowly gift it to them. Have them have them have some skin in the game, right? In other words, you give How them. How about the, if he doesn't want to have them skin? Well, the game? I'm going to go there first, okay. and then I'm going to come back to that because I have a thought about that too. Um, so, so first of all, is is I don't really like the idea of parents just providing a home for their kids because they have they have no skin in the game. It doesn't mean there's much to them. I, I'm all for a parent providing a down payment, and it could be a decent sized down payment. You could set up a loan. You could just do a gift, and you're right. You could do the sixty four thousand dollars a year. You could do a hundred thousand dollar loan and forgive some of that loan the first year, and then the rest the second year. Th those are all possible. I would rather have um, my kid, in my case, my two sons have skin in the game so that they pick the house they want that they can actually afford. I'll help them with down payment. By the way, this hasn't happened yet, but this is my plan. Uh, and then and then they've got to have the income to be able to qualify for the loan. I don't want to co-sign. They, they need to be able to do that. Then then I think that's very responsible. Now, on the, well, I'll let you comment if you have any comments. No, on that, first okay. Now, on the other Thank hand. You. Thank you for letting me comment. Yes, I realized I was going to go to the next point. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm very kind. Yes. I'm not so flippant. Today. <laughs> I appreciate it. You flippant. <laughs> anyway, so on the other hand, if if you want to just give it to your kids, and I don't know your situation, maybe your parents did something similar. And if that's how your family wants to do it, let, let's let's go off of that premise for a little bit. Um, what you suggested is a, is a way to do it. Um so he's got a bunch of equity tied up in the house. Let's start there. Okay. How does he unleash it? Do, would you take a note? He's 48, right? Right. So it's he's not 68. Right. So it's like, all right, well, does it make sense to take four or $500,000 now? Maybe it did. I don't know, six months ago when interest rates could have been, should have been, <laughs> right? Because um, if he's never going to sell the house. Right. So, all right. So let me, yeah, let me think how do you, about that. How do you, how do you unlock yeah. some of that? So, so my, my, my current age in my sixties, the answer is no, no way. But my forties, maybe it, it depends whether I could afford it, right? Whether I felt like I could afford the mortgage payment. It would also depend upon if I was really serious about selling the home, because then when I sell the home, I just pay off the mortgage. And, and by the way, if you do want to sell your home, uh, and I get that you got a million dollars taxable, but you, you get two and a half million dollars out of it. So you're only paying tax on a million bucks. I don't know what oh, you're in Tennessee. I don't know about the state taxes there. Federal tax, let's call it worst case, 25% of, of a million bucks, 250,000. $250,000 tax is, is a lot of tax. However, you're getting two and a half million to do with whatever you want to, to be able to live the retirement life you want and, and buy the home that you want. It's not necessarily that bad of a way to go. So in other words, if you, if you end up selling the home, you're going to have to pay off the mortgage anyway. So maybe you just take some of those proceeds that, that you would have got later. That's, that's kind of my thinking there. I still, I don't know, even, even in my late forties, I still would like to have my kids have some skin in the game. Sure. If you, let's say he takes $500,000 out, you know, the mortgage payment's going to be $30,000. Maybe he buys the house and then has the kid pay him something yeah, set up a note. You could do that. Right. Yeah. And then if he can't, if the kids can't afford the note, and then that's when the gifts come in to cover the mortgage payment. Sure. So here we're going to give you, 
you know, 15,000 a piece to cover the 30,000 mortgage. I'm just using 5% on 500,000 on the 30 yeah. year note. It's, it's the payment's about 30 grand. Right. So then, all right. But you, the risk is all on dad here, on right. John. But that, I mean, that might be fine too, because then you just kick the kids out of the house. I don't know. Yeah. They don't pay anything. And that's your house. Yeah, that's yeah. your house. That's right. What All right. That's it for us today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Sorry to be flippant, but <laughs> that's the show, brother. That is our show. All right. We'll see you again next week. Show's called Your Money or Well. Elvis is in the derails, along with Neil deGrasse Tyson and the JWST, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a date and time convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Anything you're watching lately? Anything good? Anything uh, entertainment? Andy, what 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 are you streaming? Are you streaming anything? Anything? I've actually been watching Cosmos. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Cosmos. Yeah, it's about space. Is, uh, so, are you all excited about the new telescope? That can look super excited about it. Actually, I was really? excited about the images. Yeah, I mean, they're colored. They're amazing. Yeah, the new James Webb Space Telescope images—they're incredible. Didn't know this about you. So, <laughs> wanted to be an astronaut, maybe? Just, no, I really didn't. I just started getting into this uh, in the last couple of months. So, there you go. I, I would think you'd want to watch a show based on music, based upon what I'm seeing behind you, which it looks like about a 2,000 albums. Close, and albums, yeah. And yeah. Albums and a guitar. Elvis came up. Are you going to go watch that? It's Boz Lerman. I'm really not hot for that. Yeah, I, I, if, if you're going to do a period piece, I really want it to be actual historical information. And from what I understand, they took a lot of liberties, especially with the music, which would just kind of annoy me. So, no, I'm kind of staying away from that one. I'm yeah. a big Elvis fan, so I'd really rather keep his memory intact. <laughs> I heard it's pretty good. That's what I heard, too. But we'll have to watch it. As I understand yeah. it, they did some like dubstep kind of thing to the right? music. So. Boz, Boz, he did um, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. What else? And Romeo and Juliet and, yeah, a whole bunch of movies like that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. There you go. Elvis, oh, here we come. Yeah. I'm watching.